I love crosses. In fact, I have an office filled with crosses. I have a, well, pretty much every office I've ever had, every dorm I've ever lived in, I had a wall full of, cro- of crosses, and they're all really special. They all tell a different story, right? So uh, this one I got after I graduated high school, and everybody on my CCYM team wrote stuff on the back of it. Uh, this cross is made out of wood from the 2016 flood. I've got a cross that friends have given me that have notes on the back. I mean, I just, I love crosses. And it really shouldn't be a surprise, right? I'm a pastor, and most pastors, at least the ones I know, have a, a collection of crosses, or at least a lot of crosses somewhere. And if you hang out with me enough, you will see that my water bottle has the Mid-City cross. My, my laptop has a cross on it. Uh, my backpack has one on Like, I just, I love crosses. They're, they're, they're really special to me, all the ones that I have, except for one. And... Um, there's this one cross in my collection. It's about this tall, and it has a, it's a crucifix, and it's a Jesus hanging on a cross. And not just that, it's a glow-in-the-dark cross. So Jesus glows in the dark. It kind of serves as this really bad nightlight. But um, I usually don't put that cross up. In fact, I tried finding it to show you today, and I couldn't find it where I thought it would be. I mean, it's one of those crosses that I own, but I hide in different places. And uh, the reason I, I, I don't like it is because when I was in college, I had it up on my wall, and I remember people would come into my, my dorm room, and, and they would look at that cross, and, and I got asked this question a lot. Fernie, why did Jesus have to die for us? Now, that's a difficult question to tackle, and, and I struggled in college to really answer that question, and the more people asked that question, the, the, the more I started to hide it so that people wouldn't see it. And look, you can Google that question right now, and you will get a million different answers to it. And to be honest, I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole because there's a lot of theories when it comes to atonement and why Jesus died on the cross and who God is when it comes to Jesus dying on the cross. I mean, there's a large rabbit hole that we could go down, and I don't even want to go down that path. But let me ask you, have you ever asked yourself that question? I mean, why did Jesus die for us? I'd be surprised if you told me that you have never wrestled with this question, or at least a question like it. If you think about it, most churches have a cross somewhere in the room reminding us of Jesus' death. I mean, we have one in the back of the room, right? Most Christian songs that we sing talk about or at least point to the cross, which leads us to having difficult conversations and questions about the cross. And, And even many people wear a cross around their neck right? We see crosses everywhere, and, and when we look at the cross, it's, it, we can't help but ask, why did Jesus have to die for us? I, I read this quote in uh, J, uh, James Bryan Smith's book, The Good and Beautiful God, the, the book we've been uh, studying through, and it says this, the death of Jesus is front and center in Christian theology, and yet so many of us fail to grasp its significance. I don't know about you, but I would say that's true for me, right? For a long this time, uh, the cross was always present in my life, at church, in songs, in everything I did, but I didn't really, uh, wasn't able to grasp its significance, right? So, so here's what I want to do today. If that is you, if, if you feel the same way, I'm going to tell you this. I don't want to tell you exactly what to think. Instead, I want to give you some uh, three things to think about, just to, to wrestle with and to ponder about. As we, as we try to answer the question, why did Jesus die on the cross? So here's the first thing I want you to remember as you wrestle with this question. God did not make Jesus die on the cross. 
Jesus chose to. Now, this is very important because I've heard many people say that God was so interested in having someone pay for our sins that God sent Jesus to die on a cross. I've even heard preachers uh, who will preach and they'll say that God was so angry at humanity that God wanted bloodshed in order for God to be able to forgive us. But I've got to tell you, I think those are all lies. Let me offer you a different narrative. See, God put everything into motion. Everything that you and I see and look and touch, God put everything into motion, including these two things. First, God told Adam and Eve to not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Right? I mean, that was the one commandment he gave them. Another thing God put into motion is uh, giving us free will giving all of creation the freedom to, to make our own decisions and our own choices, right? God put these two into motion. And, and see, the moment when Adam and Eve chose to eat of the fruit from that tree, they became subject to sin and death. Now, we'll talk about what sin and death means and what it looks like in a little bit, but I need you to understand two things about this. If God were to have looked at Adam and Eve and had said, you know what, it's okay, you ate the fruit, uh, don't worry about it, I asked you not to, but it's no big deal, right? Then that means that God goes back on God's commandment, right? The commandment that God put into motion, you shall not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God can't do that. God can't just say, eh, whatever, <laughs> right? So, so then there's another option. Uh, the other option is that God has to force Adam and Eve to never eat the fruit in the first place, and therefore we wouldn't be in the mess that we're in, right? But if God does that, then God takes away our free will, and God cannot do that either. Well, let me put it this way. God can do that, but God chooses not to do that. See, God chose to not go back on God's commandment, and God chose to continue to give us free will, even though it eventually led to Adam and Eve sinning, right? God chose to do these things because God already had a plan for redemption from the very beginning. In other words, when Adam and Eve sinned, God wasn't surprised or shocked about all this. God already had a plan to redeem the fall. And God knew that in the end, we would have a truly perfect relationship with God if things worked out this way. In the end, you and I would have to choose God over everything else. And we wouldn't only have to, we would want to choose God over everything else, which is the exact opposite of what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden that day. See, because God knew this, because God knew that uh, Adam and Eve were going to sin, that they were going to fall, and, and that there was already a plan for redemption, and that things were going to be even better in the end than they were in the beginning. Because God knew this, Jesus willingly gave his life on a cross. Jesus willingly subjected his body to pain and punishment. He was raised on the dead, uh, from the dead on the third day and ascended into heaven. Jesus chose to go through this out of unending love for you and I, because Jesus knew that the outcome was worth the pain and the suffering he would endure. Here's the second thing I want you to think about as you wrestle with this question about why did Jesus have to die for us? You have to understand that Jesus did more than just forgive our sins. 
Jesus destroyed sin and death and the power that sin and death had over our lives. See, I think the biggest mistake we make is thinking that Jesus died to forgive us. And, and, and although that is a part of it, right? Jesus did forgive our sins. What Jesus did is much bigger than that. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was not just about God forgiving our sins and us repenting of them. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection were about changing our nature, our human nature, changing who we had become. I want you to listen to this quote from James Ryan Smith's book, The Good and Beautiful God. Repentance could not change what they, what people now were in their nature, which was corrupt. Even if they ceased from sinning, which they could not, they would still be corrupt on the inside and under the law of death. In other words, what Smith is saying is that even if we asked for forgiveness and did our very best to stop sinning, because Adam and Eve had eaten from that fruit, it is within our nature to fall sin and to fall short. Which means that no matter how hard we try, on our own, we would eventually end up just sinning again. Now, that habit of just sinning again, of that nature, right, Smith calls a complete corruption. It's the state of human beings that all of us have that makes us incapable of not sinning. And as long as that is who you and I are, death has the final word, which means that when we die, death wins, right? That's it. Life is over. Death means that, that death has the ultimate victory over us, right? But, but see, Jesus didn't just die to forgive our sins. Jesus died on the cross to destroy our nature of complete corruption and to destroy death. See, Jesus didn't come to tell us that we were forgiven, although that was a part of it. Jesus came to change our human nature so that death would lose its grip on us. And guess what? Jesus was victorious. Just last week, I had a conversation with a woman who watched her husband die in the hospital from COVID. And I could hear the pain in her voice. I could hear the shock in her voice, of losing someone she loved, and really pretty quickly. And here's what I told her on the phone. As much as death breaks our heart, and it does, right? I mean, anytime we've lost somebody we love, we care about, it hurts, right? As much as death breaks our heart, we know that death did not get the final word because we trust that her husband is in God's loving hands and will never again experience suffering or pain or sickness or anything bad in this world. And someday we know that we too will be reunited with him. See, Jesus came not just to forgive our sins, but to destroy the very thing that caused us to sin in the first place, which was our corrupt nature. Here's the third thing I want you to remember as you wrestle with this question of why did Jesus have to die for us? And I kind of hinted at it already. On our own, this is really important, on our own, we could have never been able to destroy the bondage that death had on us. Smith argues that complete corruption can only be reversed by the sacrifice of complete incorruption. And the only person who was completely incorrupt is Jesus. Therefore, Jesus did for us what we would never be able to do on our own. You don't believe me? Just think about this. When was the last time you went through a full day without getting upset about something? 
When was the last time you went through a full day without having an inappropriate thought or cursing somebody out on I-10 when they cut you off? Maybe you've avoided doing those things for a couple hours or a day or two or maybe a week or a month, but can you do it for a full year? Can you do it for the rest of your life? The reality is that eventually you and I, we will get upset. Eventually we will lose our temper. Eventually we will have an inappropriate thought or say something mean about someone. The sad reality is that no matter how hard we try to not sin, we always fall at sin's doorstep. So Jesus does what we couldn't do ourselves. Jesus defeats death. Jesus destroys death. And while we may still sin at times, and we do, we know that we can ask for forgiveness, and in the end, death will not win. Death does not get the final word. Even death cannot separate us from God now. I want you to listen to this quote. Jesus assumed and healed our human condition. And in doing so, he demonstrated the depths of God's love for all creation. See, when we wrestle with this question of why did Jesus die for us, you have to understand that God loves us way too much to allow us to be destroyed by sin and death to allow us to be consumed by sin and death. God loves us way too much to allow death to have the final word. So, so maybe the question we should be asking is not so much, um, why did Jesus have to die on the cross, right? Maybe the more appropriate question we should be wrestling with is, God, why do you love us so much that you were willing to allow your son to experience so much pain and so much suffering for us? right? Maybe the question is about understanding how great God's love is, and not about understanding what Jesus did or why Jesus did what he did. And if we ask that question, I think the answer that we get will be the answer that the God Jesus knows would give us. I think God would say, I just love you so much that I was willing to do anything so that death would lose its power and its grip over you and I. See, that is the God Jesus knows. And that is the God I hope that we may all come to know. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for who you are. God, we give you thanks that you love us enough to destroy sin and death that you love us enough that even though we walked away from you, you continued to go after us and to pave a way for us to not be held bondage by sin and death. And God, we're just so thankful that that is who you are and that your love is so big that it's willing to do anything to rescue us from the grip of sin and death. God, I give you thanks, and I pray this in your most precious and most glorious name. Amen. Well, hey, I want to thank you for joining us. But before I let you go, I just want to give you a, a reminder. Text the word GROW, G-R-O-W, to the number 225-307-0662. Just text it on your cell phone. You'll get a link, uh, a text message back with a link to a home sheet. And the home sheet's going to give you some information uh, 
um, some more uh, scriptures, uh, things to think about, uh, how to put this sermon into practice. And it just, it's an opportunity for you to go deeper into this subject. I know that you've probably had some of these same questions. Maybe you've had conversations with people. I hope that this home sheet will help you have this conversation and be able to, to just uh, maybe like me, not hide your cross and just be able to put it up on your wall and, and have a conversation with people. The other thing I want to remind you of is um, uh, with our the hurricane, uh, I was going to say behind us, but it's not behind us. There's still a lot of work to be done. But uh, we had canceled our small groups last week. Our small groups are, uh, uh, or I guess two weeks ago, our small groups are in full force. So uh, your small groups will be going through this curriculum. I want to encourage you to uh, you know, download it before you meet with your small groups. If you are not in a small group and you're interested in having this conversation with other people, uh, sign up uh, by emailing us at info at midcity.church. We'll connect you to a small group. We'll connect you to a small group leader, and uh, you'll be able to, to join them and have deeper conversations about this. The last thing is we are still doing hurricane relief. Uh, we have a couple of, of trips planned on um, September 25th. We are going to be going to St. Uh, Charles United Methodist Church in Destrehan, Louisiana, which is outside of the New Orleans area, if you're not from here. And we're going to be doing some work. Uh, we're going to get there around 7 a.m. We're going to stay there until about 4 p.m. We're going to help give out food and supplies to people. Uh, so we really want to encourage you to, to come and join us for that. You'll get some more information about it later this week. Uh, we also want to give you an opportunity to give financially to that. And you can do that by texting the word IDA to 22525. Again, that's IDA, A-I-D-A, to 22525. And uh, you'll be able to give through that, and we can guarantee you that 100% of that money goes to hurricane relief efforts. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us this week. I hope you were challenged a little bit through worship. I want to thank all of our volunteers and everybody who helped put worship together this week. And just remember, I love you, God loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it. I'll see you next week.